You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. So today, we're going to start a few-week series, six weeks actually, a series in the book of Ephesians. We're going to go chapter by chapter. For those of you that love that kind of stuff, well, I'm going to get you guys hungry for the word, man. You're going hungry. And I, I, I had this title, uh, the title of the series is called The Book of Ephesians. It's not really that glamorous, and like, I like titles. I, I mean, it's, but, but so I had a really good title, and the title was called Halfway Read Ephesians, and nobody understood that. Two, three people, finally, see, the tentacle, there we go. And because only four people understood it, I changed it back to The Book of Ephesians. So there you go. Thank you, Josh. Boring. Okay, here we go. The study of the Ephesians. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians. Either way, I'm excited to share it today. And uh, I am excited that four people got my reference. Okay. Ephesians 1. (laughs) Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God, blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we may be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Come on now. Have been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let's pause for a moment. Lord, we thank you for the exciting word that talks about who we are and Lord, what we've been given. Lord, we thank you today that you will make this word not only be heard, but come alive in us in Jesus name. Amen. If you've been saved for any length of time, you've developed a phrase or two or three or many called Christianese phrases. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you already starting to think of them, but I've given you a few. I've given you a few. (laughs) The one of them, how about this one? This is one interesting one called quiet time. Anybody have their quiet time with God? Now, that's also used by parents for kids that are acting a fool. Go have some quiet time. And that's just the Christian he's one. How about this? When we pray for protection, we don't just pray for protection. We pray for a hedge of protection. By the way, I trimmed the hedges this past week, and I didn't feel any protection when I was trimming them. How about this? Have you ever been told a lie, not just a regular lie, but from the 
pit of hell. That is a lie. That is another level of lying. You literally went to hell to the very nth degree of the pit and brought that lie up forward. That is a lie from the pit of hell. If you've ever traveled a long distance, you've probably prayed for traveling mercies. That's because you know you're going to commit a crime and go over and speed. So you're asking for mercy. <laughs> How about the laying on of hands? Have you ever brought that up in a school setting? Hey, let's just start laying on hands. People are like, all right, we ready to go? We're going to do this. But in church, it means something else. I always love this one. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And I've learned, I've learned that some of the best praying I've done is with my eyes open, heads up. So just to free some of you guys, like you're like, okay. Anyway, how many people were raised in a youth group, grow up in a youth group? There you go. Okay, so you may get this one. Growing up in a youth group, one of the youth leaders, the biggest thing we would try to do is try to stop you from co-mingling, right? Right? So the, the girls and the boys, you know, behind the, the thing and all that stuff. So we would threaten you with, you know, purpling. Anybody remember? So you know what I'm talking about, Brett? So like red and blue make purple. Don't be purpling. That was the word. That's weird, man. It's weird. I've been having a hard time wearing purple after that. Although when you're married, you can purple, just so you know. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's, that's a gift. That's a gift. I love this one when we call him Daddy God, Papa God, Father God. Some of you, I got some of you. I got some of you. You're like Papa God. I don't even call my dad Papa God but, or Papa anything, but that's just, a, that's just another thing. And then how about, the, how about this one? When you, have, when you got an issue with somebody, you have a check in your spirit. It's like what you were talking about earlier, the check. We could fill out checks. You get a check in the spirit, right? Some of you got a check in the spirit about the person you're sitting next to you right now. <laughs> okay, this one's a good one. This is, my, this is my, one of my last ones here. Uh, how about this? We're getting ready to celebrate uh, the, the demonic holiday of Halloween. I'm not a fan of Halloween. Some of you know that already. Some of you, you know, you go home and you put out your skeletons and demons. That's on you, man. You're going to live with that. Okay, just so you know. I ain't coming to your house, you know what I mean? I don't care what you're serving. I don't know what you got in the basement. Anyway, we can't do the Halloween thing, so we call it a fall festival or a harvest festival. Trunk or treat. Well, I have a Christianese phrase I don't want to give to you today. It is the title of my message, but it is a true phrase, and it's called blessed and highly favored. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you're blessed and highly favored. Blessed. And you may even want to say to them, you're blessed and highly favored because you got to sit next to me. Come on, Brandy. Come on now. Yeah, you know. Come on, Brady. Come on now. Don't be purpling during the message. Okay. Church is unique. Can we all just agree on that? Church is unique, right? We have these weird sayings. Let's just do it a few. I could get a whole bunch of them. There's so many crazy things that we do. But let me say this to you. Church has been designed by God. And so my prayer to you today is that you're not an infrequent attender, that you just don't show up when it's convenient, but you are part of the church. I want you to know that it's more than just a Sunday morning expression. This is a lifestyle. And I'm, I'm, I'm a person that was born and raised in the church, and I love the church. And I know the church ain't perfect. There's people here today, you've been hurt by church, you've been hurt by pastors, you've been hurt by people, but you know what? I want to tell you, the church in itself has not hurt you. 
So maybe you can change your phraseology and just say, Sister Debbie hurt me or something like that. You know what I mean? Karen at my last church hurt me, you know? Mike hurt me at the last church. But... But the mic would never hurt you. But the reality is God, God created the church. And I want to show you in Ephesians 5. We're going to jump a few, just Ephesians 5. It says this. Husbands, it talks about husbands and wives. We're going to get to this in a couple of weeks. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Christ loves the church. And this chapter and this letter is written to the church. Paul is describing the riches. Chapters one through three are the riches that we have in him. Chapters four through six is how we use them. So over the next few weeks, my hope is that you walk away feeling so rich that you know the beauty that you have being part of the body of Christ. Let's talk about Ephesians for a little bit so you have some historical context of the church of Ephesus. Ephesus is the city, and it's one of the most important and largest cities at the time in the Roman Empire. It was huge in business and trade. In fact, it drew tons of immigrants from all over the world that would come to Ephesus, and they had varying cultures and religions and beliefs. So you can imagine it was a melting pot of sorts. There were 50 different gods and goddesses worshipped in the city of Ephesus. In fact, the biggest, most prevalent god was actually a goddess, Artemis, which was worshipped above all the other gods. In fact, it had its, she had her own temple, and she was the goddess of fertility and protection, and her temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. People traveled from all over the world to Ephesus to worship in this temple. Now, Paul's effect on the city was profound. As Paul began to preach and the church began to grow, less people came to the temple of Artemis. That's just kind of how it happens. This book, this letter, was written six years after Paul had left the city of Ephesus. Christianity grew among the Jews, but even more so among the Gentiles. So I want to set up a, a tone for you over these next few weeks that you can see who he's writing to. He's writing to a church that is going through transition because there's Jews and there's Gentiles. And there was actually competition between the Christian Jews and the Gentile Jews, and they were all trying to see who's better, you know? And the reality was is that they were coming in with all their wrong theology, so they were getting saved, and they were still thinking about all the god and goddesses they were worshipped. And so they went from worshipping 50 gods to now having to worship one true living God. So you can imagine the tension that was happening in this church. Ultimately, Jesus changes your cultural worldview and your identity. I want to share with you a little known, uh, probably a little known fact about the book of Ephesus is that many theologians believe that the early manuscripts in verse 1 did not have Paul writing to the saints who are in Ephesus. That word, that phrase in Ephesus was added later. So they believe that when Paul was writing this letter, he was actually writing a letter that could be read in any city. It was directed to Ephesus, but it could be read to the church at Spring Hill, the church in Columbia. I want you to understand this today because I don't want you to look at this as ancient text that doesn't apply to you, but it applies to us. And Paul specifically designed this letter so that we could read this in 2021. Come on now. So the book of Ephesus, 
You're going to see this over the next few weeks. Grace is talked about 12 times. This is God's unmerited, undeserved kindness and favor. Glory is talked about. The inheritance that we have in him is talked about. Riches, fullness, and filled. This is the Ephesus of Ephesus. Or the emphasis of Ephesus. Or the epiphysis of uh, never mind. That's just too much. That's too much. We're going too far. Chapter one, there is a huge, huge theme in here. You may have missed it, but I want you to see it's two words in Christ. It's repeated all throughout in Christ, in Christ. I want you to say in Christ. This is so important that you get this today, that we understand what it means to be in Christ. Because when we are in Christ, we are now given things. We're given, this is, look at this, we have his will. We have his grace. Look at this. We have his purpose. We have his calling, his glory, his inheritance, his power, his love. And in chapter 2, his love and his workmanship. You have been given this when you're in Christ. Now, I'm going to start preaching and getting excited. So I hope that you get excited in response. Because when somebody gives you something... You don't just go, man, that was good. Thanks, Jesus. No, you have been given purpose. So when you say, I don't know what I'm called to do, you are in Christ, and Christ has called you to a higher level. You have been given power. You have been given a calling. You have been given an inheritance. Ooh, somebody getting this now. You have been given love, and you are his workmanship. In fact, let me say it this way. In other words, you have blessings, you have been made holy, you have been adopted, you have, been re you have redemption, and you have forgiveness. And when people that have done a lot of bad things see that, they get excited. And even if you didn't do one bad thing, you did. But if you didn't, you still would get excited because you now have been made holy. You've been adopted. Listen, I watch a lot of kids' movies. And one of the kids, and I watch a lot of girl kids' movies because I got a lot of girls. And the reality is I've watched Annie a lot of times. I've watched the old Annie and I watched the new Annie. And I can say this about Annie. Annie is an example of what God has done. He took somebody who was living in an orphanage. I'm about to preach Annie. He took somebody in an orphanage what's going on what's going on here who had a hard knock life and he brought her to the penthouse come on now here's the good news about this story many times we think Annie was a beneficiary of the under unbelievable wealth but actually daddy Warbucks got blessed too because he needed Annie in his life. I want you to know today that Christ wants you to be in him. You're not the, just the beneficiary, but God has desired that you would be in Christ. But my, my daughter, so my, my kids are all learning, you know, they get to a certain age, they learn to drive. That's the, that's the thing. I've gotten one on the road successfully, pretty much, from what I could tell. Uh, <laughs> But I'm working on the second one. For those of you who don't know, my oldest is a boy and then the next one is a girl. And they couldn't be any completely more opposite than those two. Those of you that know them, they're completely opposite. So I'm working with my daughter now and we're driving all around. And, and I got this card from the motor vehicles and it says here, the learner permit, the GDL restrictions. And it has restrictions. I'm going to read it to you. Number one, that whoever is driving and is a learner must have a licensed driver 21 years or older in the front seat. You can't get in the car and go anywhere without me in the car with you. It also says here, cannot drive between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. By the way, nothing good happens on the streets after 10 p.m., just so you know. Don't be driving around 10, okay? Especially here, everything's closed. And it's Waffle House is the only thing open. Don't go eat there. 
It's the reason why they're the only place open. Sorry if anybody works at Waffle House. So, it's just being honest. It's not good. Then it says here, you got to use seatbelts. Now, why am I saying this? Because my daughter has no authority to drive a car unless I'm in the car with her. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. She has a book, and on here it has a bunch of uh, re regulations and instructions and things that she cannot do. But the reality is those rules on here are to protect her. But see, many of us, we, when, we, when we look at God, we, 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 we like him to be in the car with us, but we don't like the rules that he brings in with us. But the reality is, when I look at the rules on here as a father, I'm thankful that there's rules of the road. Because if there weren't rules of the road, my daughter would be driving on the left hand, and we'd be head-on collisions. There'd be things that we would do because we don't understand. See, many of us, we don't realize that what we have in Christ. When he comes into the car, when we begin to drive through life, we have the ability to succeed because we are in Christ. And here's the deal. You now have power and authority on the road because you are seated next to Christ. You're blessed and highly favored. Say it again. Let's keep reading Ephesians 15. It gets better. It's good, gooder, too, for those of you that talk like that. Verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all saints, Spring Hill, Church of Spring Hill, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Some of you just better start singing that. That you may know what is the hope to which has he has called you. What is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? This is so good. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? Paul is not holding back any adjectives in this. Because according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. We just sang about this. There's no other name higher he's been given. And he puts all things under his feet and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. I love this. He says this, walk in wisdom and revelation and in knowledge of him. When you are in Christ, you have been given supernatural wisdom. Do you tap into it? I pray for this almost every day for me and my kids. I need wisdom. King Solomon was asked, what do you want by God? And he asked for wisdom. And it was such a profound ask that God said, I'm gonna give you everything else. Wisdom is what we should seek, Scripture says. Wisdom is what we need in 2021. You're going to need it in 2022. You need revelation. You need to understand the Word. I need to have understanding of revelation of who He is and knowledge of Him. When you are in Christ, it's not your works, it's not your career, it's not your bank account, it's not even your social status on TikTok, young people. That just made me old by saying young people at the end of that phrase. 
It's not in your culture, hear me. It's not in your religion. It's not in your politics. It's not even your medical science understanding of things. It's in Christ. It is that, Jesus over everything. It's not about your political affiliation, what you think about masks or vaccines. It's in Christ. I'm preaching now because I just offended somebody. It's not about that. I wish we, I, listen, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm getting convicted because we add the other stuff. It's Christ and all of this stuff. It's Christ and how much I give to the church. It's Christ and, no, no, no. It's you're in Christ and you get everything because of him. You don't have to bring anything with you. See, the word that this really comes down to, it's the word identity. It's identity. It's really knowing who you are. Many times we hurt because our identity was in our gift, or it was in our relationships, or it was in my job or my career. It's in my family. It's in my church. So when my family doesn't operate the way that I envisioned it in my mind, then I'm hurt. I'm bitter. I'm angry. Why? Because my identity is in my family. It's not in Christ. For some of you, when you got fired from that job that was your dream job, and you didn't know what you were called to do anymore, and you're wandering around, walking around, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It's because your identity was in the job, not in Christ. Because if it's in Christ, you could go work at McDonald's and still glorify Jesus. And even Waffle House. <laughs> Ephesians 1.7 says, in him. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. If you are struggling with a sin habit, it's because you've not given him that place in your life over to Jesus. Pastor Mark, that seems too simple. All I know is if I'm in Christ, I've been given power to rise above every circumstance, every addiction, every issue, every marriage problem. I can't even find Mr. and Mrs. Right. Guess what? You're in Christ. He's got it. Paul talks about this word redemption. Redemption is an act of God by which he himself pays as a ransom price for sin which outraged his holiness. Do you know that God is not mad at you because you're sinning? He's mad at the sin that you're in. God loves you. For God so loved the world. It didn't say the perfect world. It said the world. That's the nasty part of the world. He loved it all that he gave his only begotten son. The thing that angers him is not you, but it's the sin that is so easily besetting you. And he came and he gave redemption so that the sin can be moved away from you and he could see you perfectly and fearfully and wonderfully made. God thought about you and desired to work all things through you. I brought a friend today. I'm going to put him up here because let me see where he would go. This is an elephant. Can you stand there, Mr. Elephant? There you go. Now, I have a lot of stuffed animals because I have a lot of kids, as I mentioned earlier. But the reason why I want to put him up there is because I'm getting ready to identify and address the elephant in the text. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't use this in the first service. This is a surprise for you. Some of you caught the elephant in the text, and some of you didn't. But the elephant is this word predestined. Some of you know where I'm going with this. 
And I, 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 I thought about this all week long because I'm like, I, I got to identify this. It's in the text. I got to talk about it. It's this word predestined. And some of you OGs in church, you, you know, oh, I know where he's going. This has been a debated topic for centuries. People have left church over this. One word. I just showed you in the text the beauty of being in Christ, but people are hung up on a word called predestined. Let's talk about it. There's two different viewpoints on predestination. There's the Arminianism and the Calvinism, and really they were both brought up by two people. One was Jacobus Arminius and John Calvin. And these are great theologians, and they debated over this. It's still to this day. Really well-educated men and women are still debating on this and divided as all get out over predestination. What is predestination? Well, first of all, there's five points of Calvinism or three. They're reformed or you can have five points of Arminianism or two points. There's so many varying degrees of this. And it all comes down to these debating questions. Number one, do we choose God or does God choose us? Do we need faith to believe or do we get faith once we believe? Some people are shaking their heads already. <laughs> are some people predestined to heaven and some to hell? Or do we have a choice in the matter? And the other one is, do we have eternal salvation or conditional salvation? Some of you, you don't understand the, the depth of how much debating has gone over these questions. But I want to say this to you today. The reality is we can address the elephant in the room or we can look at the beauty of the text. And for many people, we are so fixated on something that was never meant to be a distraction to the love and the beauty of Jesus. I want to show you in text here, Romans 10. So I want to assure some of you in this room, because some of you are like, am I saved then? I don't know. Am I saved? Look what it says here. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, you will maybe possibly on a good day be saved. No, no, it says you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For scripture says everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I want to show you a picture of an airplane. And I want you to see that this airplane has been destined to go somewhere. It's been destined to land at an airport. You don't get to pick it. It's coming. It's going to land, on the, it's going to land at Philadelphia for the Eagles game for them to lose one more time. And I'm not bitter, but I just mentioned that. Now, whether or not you want to debate did somebody pick your seat for you? Or did you get to go on southwest.com and pick your own seat? Either way, when you're on the airplane, you're going to the destination. So what I'm saying to you today is, we can debate, and listen, I have my own ideas of what I, I I'm, I'm intentionally leaving you a little vague because I want you to go home and figure this out for yourself. Because I know this, it, it's not gonna stop your salvation. If you're saved, Scripture says, Romans 10, it's done. 
But if you want to sit around and debate on this stuff, you're good. It's good. I, we kind of talked about it, Pastor Eddie and myself. We've talked about it. But the reality is, once you're on the plane, you're going to the destination. So for many of us, we forget that we are in Christ. And the elephant that we're debating, and listen, I love theology. I'm eating it up. I'm eating it up. I love it. I want to know more of the word. I want to learn from people that have learned deep things. But at some point, we have to go away from the distractions, and we have to get to the substance. It's about Jesus. And when the church is bickering over something like this, we've missed the point. We are in Christ. Say, in Christ. You're going to arrive on a location, and that location is going to be on time. And your destination is set. You can't get on the airplane and say, not, not, not. hey, can we go to a different place? No, no, we're headed to this place. There's two statements. And they're both true. And two different groups of people would, would argue either side. God is absolutely sovereign and humans are called to accept Jesus. Bottom line. That's it. There's a great theologian. He's a Reformed theologian, uh, Calvinist. He, he says this. His name is Karl Barth. He says this. He says, it is not a sin to hope that all would be saved. So I don't know where you're all standing on this. Some of you didn't even think about it. You thought it was Calvin and Hobbes. You didn't even realize there was an Arminian in this whole thing. <laughs> Why is Paul writing this to the church of Ephesus? Why do we need this in 2021? You know why? Because we've become so fixated on the elephant in the room. Now, I'll give this elephant vaccine, COVID, a mask, Donald Trump, Joe Biden. I, mean, I, I go on. You want me to keep going? I could just find, figure out every little thing that you've been distracted. CNN, Fox News, whatever you want, this could be that. And at some point, you have to determine, is this what matters for me? Or is it because I'm in Christ? And, when, and you say, Pastor Mark, it can't be that simple. It is that simple. Stop, stop, stop complicating the Bible. Stop making the church something that it's not. Be in Christ. You want to see miracle signs and wonders? Stop debating whether or not they're for today. Believe they are, and they may happen around you. you are, well, I've never seen it, Pastor Mark. Do you believe they're for today? No, that's why. In Christ. If I'm in Christ, I get love and I get power. So why was Paul writing this? Let's go fast forward to the book of Revelation. Do you know that the church of Ephesus was written about in the book of Revelation? So what did they say about it in the future? Revelations 2. It says this. Jesus is speaking to the church. He says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown astray. Pause for a moment. Don't look ahead. This is a good church. Jesus is speaking to the church. He's saying, you're doing all the right things. In fact, that letter that was written to you, you've learned it. You're doing it. You're loving people. You're calling out false prophets. You know the word. You're exhorting. You're serving. But then there's a but. It says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you. I'll remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What is he saying? You've lost your first love. 
What is he saying? You've lost the love of Jesus. You've forgotten. You've made it all about your works. You've done all these great things. You're trying to rightly divide. You're trying to debate. You're trying to fight each other. You're trying to figure out who has the better light show and fog machine, who did the most current worship song. You're trying to figure it all out, and you've lost your first love. And I'm presenting to you today, Southview Church of Spring Hill, Church of Columbia, Church of Franklin. I'm presenting to you today, have we lost our first love? Have we lost it? Just think about it. For those of you that are, that are in love and maybe hoping to be in love, maybe you're starting puppy love, I don't know. Just think about that first time you met him or her. You all gurgly and giggly and all that stuff in your stomach, you know what I'm saying? Some of that's gas, but that's gurgly stuff, <laughs> butterflies, I don't know what it is. But, but you, you would go to the nth degree. Man, it didn't matter if it was raining or sunny. You were driving with a smile on your face. Didn't matter if you had $10 in your bank account, you're going to figure out something we're going to do today because I just want to be with you. Jesus is saying, come back to your first love. Come back to your first love. Church. Oh, man, I, I feel like this is a timely word for the church of Nashville. I feel like this is a timely word for the church of this nation. When I look at Ephesians 1, Jesus is all throughout it. We're going to have fun over the next few weeks reading through this so you can see what you've been given and how you can use it. It's so beautiful, man. I want you to know you've been given so many good things. But Ephesians 1, verse 20 through 23, Paul is writing and he's talking about Jesus. And I want to reinstate or restate the last verse here. Instead of it says here, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I want to personalize it for you today. And God puts all things under Jesus' feet and gave him, next slide if you would, and gave him, and gave him as head over all things concerning you. You are his body. You are the fullness of him who fills each one. He is now delighting in the fact that Scott Owens is on the earth today and that he is in Christ and he has been giving you gifts and blessings and callings to not only do what he's called you to do, but to raise a generation to go even further. This makes God excited. Jesus came so that you would be in him so that you can have all, listen, all I can say is my daughter can't go anywhere without me in the car and if she does it's against the law for many of us we're trying to do a lot of things without Jesus in it we're trying to get Jesus to bless things he ain't in but Jesus is in you and when you know who you are in Christ you walk differently you talk differently you read differently you love differently you 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 give differently you do all these things why because you're in Christ and I'm telling you today church we cannot lose our first love you are blessed and highly favored. You are blessed and highly favored. This isn't a feel-good kind of message. It, well, it is, but I'm not trying to pump you up with anything other than what the Word says. You are blessed and highly favored. Listen, today, I'm leaving you intentionally hungry for more. Why? Because there's some things you're like, well, tell me about this or explain this. I want you to be hungry for more. I've gone to those expensive restaurants, right, where they, they have the plate, and the plate's this big, and the food is this big, right? You spend $150 on that little piece of, of pigeon meat, and you got to take, and, and it, it's so good, but, but you're like, I paid $150, so you're, 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 
you're eating the bone. You're taking the bone home. It's like, this bone's coming home. This is $75, this bone. And, and you're like, you're, there's green stuff on the edge. You're like, is this antifree? What is it? Ooh, every little piece of that expensive meal you love. You're not full, but man, you're like, this was good. See, that's how scripture, it should make you desire more. It should be so, your walk with God should be so rich that you can't wait to spend more time with him. Man, you can't wait to come to church. Not so I could check it off, because I'm in Christ. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm in Christ. Church is, Jesus is in me. I don't need to go to church. Wrong. Wrong. You are in Christ. And when we come together, we do something that delights the Lord. That's why he says, don't neglect the gathering of the saints. I want you to look around for a moment in this room. Those of you online, look around your room if you have the opportunity. Look around and see that the church is better when you're seated in it, when you're part of it. So today, you are blessed and highly favored because you're in Christ. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the Son sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.